This morning, the scripture passage we're looking at is from Luke chapter 13, the Gospel of Luke chapter 13, a story about uh, Jesus tells about the narrow door, a parable that I've never preached on before, so this will be new for me today. Um, so as we, before we look at Luke 13, I'd like to offer a prayer that the Spirit would lead us in our reading of scripture. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and your spirit today, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. For we pray it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, beginning with verse 22. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In some parts of the uh, world, in some countries, the season or the holiday on the church calendar called Epiphany is actually a bigger deal than Christmas itself. Gifts are given, vacation days are taken, governments are shut down for a few days. Literally, Epiphany means manifestation or appearance. Uh, yes, there's the appearance or the epiphany of God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, but this church holiday that always actually lands on January 6th is about the appearance or the epiphany of Jesus for the world. God for the Gentiles. The light of salvation for all kinds of people everywhere. This is where the Magi come into the story. Those wise men from the east who traveled afar following that star so that they could worship this Jesus. According to Matthew chapter 2, they brought their treasured gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh as an offering in their worship of this newborn king. What's maybe lost in our modern readers today is that word east. East, they came from the east, these wise men, these sages, these astrologers, these stargazers, God directed these non-believers, these Gentiles. God used his creation, 
general revelation to lead them to Jesus, the Savior of the world. That little baby in the manger is a foretaste of the glory, God's glory, to the nations of the world. And some are recognizing already at Jesus' birth that Jesus is someone worthy of worship, someone worthy of offering costly gifts to. Epiphany is a season of joy. It's a season of light. It's a time of remembering that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all kinds of people everywhere, from east to west and north and south. Our church banner highlights this with the two letters, key and row, in the middle of the banner, representing the first two letters of Christos, the Greek word for Christ, and then rays of sunlight streaming to the four corners of the earth. During Epiphany, we remember that the gospel speaks to everyone everywhere. And today's lesson in Luke is speaking to us very directly this morning. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is asked this very theoretical and intellectual question by someone, someone who could be any one of us. Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? We love speculations. We love to wonder about the deep truths and mysteries of God. Uh, we like to know things like who's going to be saved, who's not, and, and how many, and things like that. How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? What happens to old so-and-so on the other side of the world who, who has no Christian church in his town? Is God fair? Is God just? What about my neighbor who, who lives the Christian life only half-heartedly? What's going to happen to him? We like to think we're pretty good at judging character and the souls of other people. Well, that's a nice theoretical question, Jesus thinks. But it's interesting, I find it interesting, what he does with that question, how he answers it. He turns the question back in a very personal and practical way. The question, this type of question, could be asked by any one of us today. And I wonder how Jesus would respond to our speculations, our wonderments about the souls of other people. For Jesus, whether few or many, depends on the response to the challenge he gives regarding this narrow door. It echoes another teaching of Jesus regarding the, the broad and narrow gate from Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate. Broad is the road of, that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So in response to the theoretical question, Jesus answers back in verse 24 of Luke 13, saying, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter, but they will be not be able to. I tell you, Jesus says. You ask questions about many or few other people elsewhere, Jesus says, I want to talk to you right here and right now. The theoretical becomes very personal. Many, I tell you, will enter, will try to enter and will not be able to. There is a door. There is a way, Jesus says. There is a path that leads to the banquet table in the kingdom of God. And it's not just any old way. It's not every way. It's not every path or door or religion or spiritual belief that leads you there. There is a narrow door, he says. Many will try to enter, but will not be able to. 
You see, Jesus had been teaching about the kingdom of God and how it's like the smallest of all seeds, the mustard seed, and yet it grows into something great where the birds can find a nest and find a home in. And he also talked about the kingdom of God being like yeast or leaven. Yeast is very small, but you only need a little pinch of it for a batch of dough. One pinch is enough for 50 pounds of dough because one pinch of yeast works its way through the whole thing. It permeates everything. The kingdom Jesus has been teaching is like that. It starts out small, seemingly insignificant, and yet it grows in time and fills everything. It's like Jesus is teaching us to trust the process of discipleship and evangelism. To trust that God will grow his kingdom with our small, slow efforts of church planting or reaching out to our neighbors and our family or living righteously in the world as a witness. Our efforts look small and seemingly insignificant as compared to how fast our world runs today, or our cultures move, or maybe how our businesses work. But in the end, you will see that it keeps growing and spreading and nothing's able to stop it. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus has been teaching. So you might imagine why this question about many or few being saved comes up. At first, it sure looks small. Will only a few be saved in the end, Jesus? But the challenge of Jesus is aimed at the personal and individual level. You, you. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Our passage in Luke was maybe a warning to Israel originally, too. Salvation is not just an automatic thing based on your DNA or your genetics or your genealogy, as some had thought. Just because you were born in Israel, just because you lived in the culture of Israel, just because you spoke the Hebrew language, just because you went to the temple a couple times a year, all that doesn't mean that you're saved. But there will be many who think they should be because they have a tangential, casual contact with Jesus and his church over the years. Make every effort, Jesus says. There's a tension there, isn't there? There's a tension between God's sovereign grace and call on the one hand and human effort on the other hand. And I think here Jesus is stressing that human effort that discipleship piece. The discipleship effort, discipleship effort that he's talked about elsewhere in the Gospels. Make every effort to enter the kingdom through the narrow door. The prescribed way, the specific route. Once the door is shut, it's going to be too late to respond. So Jesus continues in verse 25 and following, saying, Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door... You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, please open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you. I don't know you or where you come from. And then you will say, Well, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you. I don't know where you come, you've come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Outward, occasional contact with Jesus and his church is not enough. People will say they saw him, they heard his teachings, they even ate with him, but they will nev they've never had that inner response of grace. 
They didn't make any effort to know Jesus or to be known by him. They didn't have a personal relationship, the way we put it today, with Jesus. They never truly knew him. So the warning to Israel and to many of us this morning is don't miss the moment. Don't miss the blessing. Enter through the narrow door while there is still time. That is, believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, for eternal life. Because Jesus is that narrow door. What a tragic disappointment it will be to come to the end and to have that door closed on you as you see the spiritual greats, the patriarchs, and the the apostles sitting at the banquet table in heaven. The door has been shut on you, though, because you never knew him, and your life bears that out. There's no place at the table if you don't respond to the challenge, to the sovereign call of God to receive and believe in Jesus, John 1, verse 12. The question from the anonymous man is, will will the saved be few? I think Jesus turns that around. Will the saved be you? Will the saved be few, Jesus? And Jesus says, will the saved be you? That's a more pertinent question. Will you make every effort to enter through the narrow door and not assume some other way or some other religion or some other feel-good spiritual belief that you've concocted in your minds and your imaginations? Will you enter the narrow door? So that challenge from Jesus comes to many of us today too, of course. The broad way, the broad door, the wide door is easy to find, especially if you think you live in a Christian world or nation or culture. You'll miss the narrow door if you simply think that just because you were raised in a Christian home and went to a church a few times a year that you're in. You're going to miss the narrow door if you think that you have a reservation because you went to a Christian school or had a catechism class once upon a time and you gave some money to a good cause. And you think, well, hey, I'm basically good. I never killed anybody. You're going to miss the narrow door if, you're certainly, if you think that there's a place at the heavenly banquet table for you simply because you're part of a certain race or ethnic group or heritage. Or think that, well, Grandpa was a pretty good person and he was a church-going folk, so hey, maybe I'm in too. What tragic assumptions people make. Tragic assumptions. Jesus would caution us all today too. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the blessing. Make every effort you can in order to enter through the narrow door, through the right path, through the correct door. For one day, it will be too late. So the beginning of a new year is a good time to take our spiritual temperatures, I think. Are we running on assumptions? Wrong, tragic assumptions? Are we taking the narrow door? Are we making every effort? Are we making any effort at all to know the gospel, to live the gospel, to eat and breathe the gospel in all of our lives? theoretical and intellectual questions we could keep asking all day, which is nothing wrong with asking good questions. But if we're just asking them to keep Jesus at a distance, if we keep asking those questions to keep the true inner faith change from happening, well, we're going to keep asking them all the way to the banquet table, or the door where the door will be shut, and we'll be turned away because we never really knew Jesus even though we attended the revival meetings, the hymn sings, the Christian schools, or the church services. 
The parable of the narrow door is about personally knowing Jesus and engage in the effort of discipleship. A good New Year's challenge for all of us to re-engage that effort of discipleship, of knowing Jesus more and more. At the end of our reading today, it's really an aside that you'll actually be surprised who you're going to see there at the banquet table in glory. Some people you assume are out will be in. Other people you assume will be in will be out. Verses 29 to 30, Jesus concludes saying, people will come from east and west, north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are least who will be first, and those who will be those, and first, those will be last. You'll be surprised who you're going to see there. In Romans 10, it says that I, found, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself, that word for epiphany, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. People are coming from all over and everywhere. All kinds of people from all kinds of nations and cultures speaking various languages who have different skin colors will come because God has revealed himself to them and is drawing them to the Savior. That kingdom yeast of Christ's church will spread and work its way through the world and people from all over will respond and are responding even today to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And nothing will stop the powerful advance of the gospel that permeates. So the serious effort and work of discipleship means growing in Christ. It means knowing Jesus more and more so that when the time comes, we naturally take our place at the banquet table. Jesus is that narrow door, the way, the truth, and the life. He said so himself. Epiphany means that God has revealed himself in Christ. He has revealed himself to the world. As the Magi come and worship at the manger, as Jesus performs his first miracle at the wedding of Cana, turning water into wine, as Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River and and that voice speaks from heaven, saying, this is my son. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. As these things happen, we know that Jesus is more than just a man, more than merely human. We know that he is God in the flesh, fully human and fully divine, as our contemporary testimony that we read earlier says. So in Jesus, God has revealed himself to us. God has appeared. He's been made manifest God has shown Jesus as the way and the door to the heavenly banquet in the kingdom of God. The challenge this morning is to not figure out who exactly or how many people find that narrow door, but we ask ourselves, have I found the narrow door? Have I found the narrow door? Will the saved be few or will the saved be you? Today's a good day. A good day to pray, especially if you haven't asked for Jesus to enter your life or your heart. Today is a day to do that, to pray, to ask, to seek the Lord, to trust him with your lives in this new year. And if you've never done that before, please come talk to me or come talk to one of the elders here at this church. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Let us pray together.
God of all the years, we come to you on this first Sunday of a new year. We're thankful for your goodness and your grace, your generosity and love, your power and presence that we have seen and experienced over this last year. And we seek your face this new year. Lord, maybe we haven't been making an effort to know you more or to grow in our faith. So we pray for a renewed urgency to know you, to seek you, to live a life worthy of the calling that you've given us. Help us all to make more of an effort to align our thoughts, our hearts, our lives to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, Lord, send us into our world, into our communities, with a passion and a love for others, so that the banquet table might be full to overflowing. We pray it in your name, Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit is one God, now and forever. Amen.